If you have your Bibles, uh, join me in Isaiah chapter 9 is where we'll be for a moment here. And, you know, I just got to be honest. You guys look really good today. I'm telling you. Who knew? And um, how many still got some Christmas shopping still left to do? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand if you still got a little bit more work to do. How many of you were done like a month ago? You're ready to rock and roll. Anybody? Okay. The, these are the people we need to look up to and help us in life right here. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like in, in your house, but um, it seems like there are staples during the Christmas season, movies, that will just, uh, we'll just play over and over and over again. You know, you have Frosty the Snowman, we'll have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer playing, and, um, but the, one of the ones that I, I, I think is a, a theologically profound movie is uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, okay? How many of you know it ain't Christmas until you watch the Grinch a little bit there, okay? And I, now, to be honest here, how many like the cartoon version better than the, 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 the real live version? Anybody cartoon? Who's real live version like that? Okay, we'll pray for you. There's an altar at the end here, okay? Well, I like this, um, this, this, this part in the Grinch, the, story, the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And here's, listen to these words. I think this is a really good thought here. It says, and the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? Woo, come on. I love that. That's good. Even the Grinch gets it right every once in a while. But I highlighted that line there at the end. It says, what if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? And we're always in danger in our world and even as Christ followers to, um, when it comes to Christmas, it can become so diluted to us that um, it is more about the store than the little bit more. And I just thought in this uh, time today, uh, if, we, if we make the mistake of making it about, hey, I get a three-day holiday or I get a four-day uh, four days off during the holiday season, we can make it about what versus a who. And there's always in danger removing Christ from Christmas. And I thought about this. Uh, I don't know why this is true, but did you know that nativity scenes that you often see in front of churches or in front of houses uh, across the United States, they're seeing a rise in the theft of the nativity Jesuses from the nativity scenes. And people are just stealing baby Jesus everywhere across this country. Some say uh, they're doing it out of protest. Uh, they think that Jesus should have nothing to do with Christmas. And some are doing it because they think if they can get a uh, little baby Jesus and bring it to their home, they're going to be blessed somehow. I heard of one church, uh, this is true. They put a chain on baby Jesus and tie baby Jesus to a cinder block. They, they ain't taking baby Jesus out of here. We padlocking Jesus to this thing. You ain't taking Jesus out of here. I heard one church, 
I think it was Wellington, Florida, if I'm, I'm, I'm not mistaken. They, um, they lost baby Jesus three times. After the, third, after the second time, they got smart and put a GPS tracker in baby Jesus. And when they came and took baby Jesus, uh, they followed baby Jesus right to the house, okay? And uh, I don't know, I, man, I, I don't know. You got to be desperate to take baby Jesus from the nativity scene, I guess. I hold him hostage. It reminds me of the story where a boy was, was writing uh, a letter in response to Christmas uh, to, to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I've been good for six months. And then he thought about it, marked off six months, put three months. Then he thought about it again. He said, no, I wasn't good for three months, but he had an idea. He went out and took uh, Mary from the nativity scene and brought it back into his room and put, him in a drawer, put her in a drawer and said this. Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, bring the presents. You know, I just love it. He kidnapped Jesus' mother. I love it. I love it. You know, um, what I want to do for the next few moments, though, is just um, look at this, this introduction of sorts, 700 years before Jesus comes. They call this book Isaiah, the fifth gospel. It's all about Jesus, the coming of Emmanuel, the Christ child. And Isaiah 9, there's a description. As many of you have probably heard this before, but I want to use it to highlight uh, maybe something different. It says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, listen to this list, he's a wonderful counselor, he's a mighty God, he's an everlasting father, and he's a prince of peace. Now just leave that on the screen here. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. Those are all the titles given to Jesus Christ. And when I thought about this this Christmas, and I just saw it in a new way. And here's what I thought. None of those are for him. He doesn't need to be counseled. He doesn't need the strength of someone else. Uh, he is eternal already. And he is already peaceful he doesn't need peace. He brings peace. He doesn't need might. He brings might. He doesn't need counsel. He gives counsel. So that means this, that Jesus came and was sent for you, that he could counsel you, that he could be, uh, his strength could be on exhibit for you and on display and on behalf of you, and he could be a father to us, and he could be uh, to bring his peace for us. And often it's kind of hard. How do you encapsulate all that Christmas is about and what it truly means for, you could call this incarnation night. This is the night uh, when, uh, when Christ has come into the world, incarnation, when the God uh, man became flesh and dwelt among us. It reminded me of this story, and I think this is probably the best illustration I could give to you that encapsulates what Jesus came to do. And that's the story of Mary Daniels. And you may never heard of Mary Daniels and uh, just a normal everyday person. Mary Daniels is from Jacksonville, Florida. And she'd been married for 40, 50 years. And late in life, her husband had developed Alzheimer's. And he was put in a care facility. And Mary Daniels, for days upon days, weeks upon weeks, months upon months, years upon years, uh, to give her husband a sense, a thread of normalcy in his life, 
every night would go to that care facility, dress her husband for bed, and wait until he fell asleep in bed and then would leave. And she did that over and over again. Now, here's the thing that happened, though. Uh, COVID hits. And now she's no longer allowed to go to the care facility to see her husband. And so for 114 days, she's unable to see or care in any way, shape, or form for her husband. And she has tried. She called. She tried to talk to people. She tried to find every way in she could. But nothing would work until one day she figured it out. She saw the care facility advertise for a part-time dishwasher. An evening dishwasher. So she applied for and got the job and would wash the dishes for a few hours every night. And when she was done, she would go and care for and minister to her husband. Isn't that a beautiful story? You know what I thought about that? That's exactly what Jesus did. Out of his care and his love for you, he became the dishwasher. He became a servant to humanity and took on flesh and came in the form of a child so that he could become our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. But here's the thing about Isaiah 9, 6. That's a beautiful part, but there's a context to this. See, the child would come, but he would come in unusual circumstances. So now I want to read verses 1 and 2, and this is going to be the backdrop uh, for the rest of our sermon. And here's what I need for, from the audience. Now I want you, especially the kids, to turn on your lights if you can. I want everybody to turn your lights back on. Come on. So I have the, a communication nightmare today. So in many ways, I, I, um, I'm under no illusions that you've come to church, but that you probably have food ready to be eaten at your house and you want to hurry up and get out of here. That's number one. Number two, we're, we have a whole bunch of, the, our age range here is from probably one to two all the way up to we won't guess how old. And, um, amen. amen, come on somebody. <laughs> I'm with you, sister. And so uh, I thought, let's do a little interaction today. And I'm going to talk to you a few moments about two words, two concepts, darkness and light. And when you hear the word, everybody, when you hear the word darkness, especially the kids, what I want you to do when I say dark or darkness, I want you to take your hand and just cover the light. Okay, so you cover it. And just cover it for a few seconds. You don't got to keep it covered forever. And when I say the word light, I just want you just to take it back and forth and wave it in the air like you just don't care. Come on. There you go. Come on. And so let's practice. If I say dark, you go whoop, all over the place. If I say light, you go, oh, you're with me. Come on. This is awesome. Some of you, this is what you've been looking forward to all year, just to be able to do this. So I want to read to you Isaiah 9, 1 through 2. And here's what it reads. So this is the backdrop. We celebrate all this wonderful counselor, all this stuff. But here's what we really need to understand. It said, in that time, listen to the description. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. They get ready. The people walking in darkness, cover it up. Okay, you can lift it up. Have seen a great light. 
And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Okay. So here's the thought. Is the description of the time when Christ would come were three words. They were in distress. It was gloomy. And it was filled with darkness. Cover it up. And so I just want to speak to you these few moments about what darkness could look like and looks like in our world. So I have two thoughts when it comes to this. The first one is this. We live in a dark world. Cover it up. We live in what I would call a dark world. Now you can take it off. What do I mean by that? I don't think you have to really think about it too hard to think that this is true. I mean, if you just look at on a world scale, we have a couple of wars going on right now. We have the one in Russia and the Ukraine, and we're always seeing uh, what's going on there, and that can seem really dark. You have the war going on right now in the Middle East and uh, between Israel and Hamas and the Gaza Strip. You see that going on right now. And then you just can even bring it even, even bigger. You have the tensions between China and Taiwan. And you see earthquakes. You see all kinds of different things going on around the world. You bring it closer, you see shootings. Just had another shooting in Florida last night. And you look at what's going on even in our city, even in your family. And you don't have to look very far to know that the world, come on, cover your light, is a dark place. I even thought about this. You know that every year the largest Christmas celebration happens in the city of Bethlehem. It is uh, every year one and a half to two million people will visit the place where Christ was born. And there are many churches there. In fact, there's a famous church there, a Lutheran church called the Church of the Nativity. And every year uh, they celebrate. There's 5,000 hotels. They're completely booked. Um, there are uh, live nativity scenes. There's 29 Boy Scout troops from all over that area that will lead a procession. I mean, it is filled with lights. It's, it's a huge celebration as they celebrate in Bethlehem. But this year, there is no what they will call regular celebration. And I just had this thought that if Christ were to come right now, and let's say this was the day that he was going to be born. Let's just think about this. That means that Jesus would have been born in a, in a war zone. He would have been a born amongst the rubble of a battle. And I just think about the world, come on, can be a really dark place. Are you with me? But here's the thing. I can't see you. So the only way I know you're with me is with this light here, okay? But here's what I also know is this, is that darkness can live on the inside of us. Let's cover it up. Sometimes this can be the picture of what's going on on the inside of our own hearts. It can live on you and I. And what does that look like? Here's this thought I believe. Is that, is this. If the further I get away from the presence and the influence of God in my life, the darker it gets. The reality of being far away from God is that it gets dark. See? And what does inner darkness look like? You can keep them covered for a second. Here it is. Just keep them covered. 
inner darkness can look like this, an uncontrollable anger. It can look like anxiety. It can look like fear. It can look like discouragement. It can look like depression sometimes. It, it can look like a grief that can never seem to be healed. And you know what? I just read an article this morning. Come on, even I can throw it in last minute sometimes in the sermon. That they're, they're, they're claiming that the greatest uh, pandemic in the world right now is loneliness. And that we can have uh, this growing sense of loneliness where the connections I need are greater than the connections I have. And when that sets in and that gets off balance, sometimes the thing that comes into our heart and can be really dark is this growing sense of loneliness. Listen, it can be a dark world, but sometimes it can have, seem like darkness is living in us. And so when Jesus came into the world, here's what we have to understand. It was not good. It was gloomy. It was in distress. And it was dark. But here's the beautiful thing about this. And I think the author C.S. Lewis gets right when he says this. Only once in our world did a stable contain something that was bigger than our world. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. Who say, who believe, you believe that, amen? That a stable contained something that was greater, get this, than the darkness in the world. And listen to this, the darkness that dwells in my heart, in your heart. He is greater than all of that. Now, here's what I want you to do, though, is I want to speak two things about light now. So I want you to take your hands off of that. Come on, Sal. And I want you to listen to these verses. So if darkness is in the world, listen to the description of what it means when Jesus comes into the world. And this is the book of John. He says this, speaking of Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light. Come on, wave it like you just don't care. Come on. I better stop that. That's dating me too much. It says, the light, come on, do it again, shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Let's love that. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And, you know, uh, when I was reading an article about uh, the, what's the, the celebration of Christmas in Bethlehem, I thought, I, I came across this quote from a pastor that I thought was really good. And so it said this. He said that many people think that we've canceled Christmas. Because we're in the middle of a war. But you can't cancel Christmas. And he said this. He said you can cancel the celebration. But you can never cancel the message. We need the Christmas message now more than ever. We need the peace. We need the love. And then exclamation point. He said we need the light. Come on. Let's just, can we wave it? Listen. And would you turn to your neighbor and just say these words. I want you to wave it back in their face, even if you can't see them, and say, we need the light. Yeah, that's it. Now, don't stick it up their nose, because that'll make them like Rudolph. We don't want to do that. Listen, when I, was in, when I was in high school, we did a candlelight service, and we did real candles, and that didn't go so well. I think uh, uh, the, the cleaning people, who the cleaning uh, company, man, they spent a lot of time cleaning wax off of stuff, so... We got smart, come on, with these things. But I just love about this. You can't cancel Christmas, 
You can cancel maybe the celebration, but you can't cancel the message. And I love that, is that we need more light. So the world needs more light. But here's the thing. I want to make it really personal. Not only does the world need more light. Yeah, you guys are with me. You need more light. Some of you are like, man, I got carpal tunnel. I can't keep waving all this stuff. <laughs> says here in, in John 8, Jesus' words, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want you just to humor me one more time, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and help me out and say, it's time to turn the light on. That's it. Time to turn the light on. And I just want to say also is um, our, because of kids today, we're, we're probably not going to go a full hour just because uh, we understand that we're on a, how many know we're on a limited time budget right here? But we do, I do want to make it meaningful here. And I, here's, here's a thought that I have is, and I want to end with this illustration, and then we'll have a closing thought. But I, I thought, you know, this is the time of the year where you can be in some crazy places, and you can hear Christmas music playing in the background. You can be in the mall, and it's playing. You walk into the gas station, it's playing. You, you walk into to Meyer, Walmart, it's playing. You go to the movie theater, it's playing. And it seems like this is just the time of the year where the, whether we like it or not, where the world begins to center around the event of Christmas. And I just thought about this. And, and I know in here, you may be visiting family and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm just here. I'm really not a churchgoer. I really don't really have a relationship with Christ. Or maybe I'm here and this is just maybe the only time of the year, really. Christmas and Easter is where, they, where I come in and really celebrate this. Or maybe you are a Christ follower and you've come to the end of the year and you're just like, man, I could just really use some help and I just really feel like things are off. And you're coming here, the, the last service that we're going to have live here at Stone Creek because next week we're going to be online only and give all of our volunteers a, a break. But you're thinking, man, what would be a, a point? Well, how could I end the year right? I have this thought. Uh, nuclear submarines um, have all the modern weapons of warfare, all the modern technology. And often they can submerge themselves at, for the longest, about three months underwater is the longest they can go, about 90 days. But every 90 days, they have to resurface above the water or the ice. I think we got a picture of this here. They have to come up underneath the ice and they have to come up uh, above the water, surface of the water. And here's the reason why. Is because um, they are often at depths where they're closer to the core of the earth. And they are influenced by the magnetism of the core of the earth greater than other entities. And because of that, a lot of their instruments that they use to navigate and, and to, to deploy the, the things that they deploy are, have to be so precise and exact and they can't afford any deviation. So the magnets, the magnetism of the earth's core throws off their instruments every 90 days, even the slightest degree. And so they resurface to recalibrate. 
And here's how they recalibrate. Are you ready? They resurface. Sometimes they, they resurface at night. And they recalibrate according. Are you ready to this? According to the North Star. They will, their instruments will locate the North Star and will reset themselves according to the position of the North Star. And it resets every instrument within the submarine. And they have to redo this every 90 days. And I just thought about that. That what better time of the year to recalibrate ourselves. To the Son, who's the wonderful counsel, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. To attune ourselves to, to the light. Come on, wait, wait in the air. To the light. And to, to recalibrate. Because how many know this? We live in a dark world. And it's always pulling us, magnetizing us, and trying to move us away by degree by degree from our true North Star, Jesus Christ. Now... I want to invite the worship team to come as we get ready to close. And I want to end with this. You know, in the book of Matthew, it says there were three magi or three wise men, the scripture says, depending on your translation. And it says that um, a star they arose and they saw the star and they followed the star. Does anybody know where? To Bethlehem. And it's there that they came, and there that they brought their gifts, and they brought them to Christ. Some say that that would have taken a year or more. Some say that would have taken several months. And so they came to Bethlehem, and then they come bringing their gold frankincense and myrrh, and they worship him at that moment and give gifts to Mary and Joseph, which he would shortly leave thereafter and flee to Egypt. And he would live as an immigrant, Christ would, for a season. And so those gifts given to him in an act of worship provided for his for a provision for his health and safety and uh, while he was in a time where he had to flee as a refugee. Here's my thought, though. Uh, if you read Matthew, you'll know this. Watch this. When God shows up first, he shows the angels speak to shepherds. And it says a choir of angels came. And they're singing about the son who is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. And they're singing to the shepherds. But when he speaks to the magi and to the three kings, he speaks to them through a star. Why did he speak differently to different people? Because when he's speaking to the shepherds, those were Jewish shepherds. And God in the Old Testament had primarily spoken to his people a lot of times through angels. And so he spoke to them in a language they knew. But when it came to the Magi, they were astrologers. They worshiped the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so when he wants to guide them and speak to them, he doesn't speak to the angel to them. He speaks in the language of star to them. And so they follow the star and it leads them directly to the Son. I just love that. And here's the thing. God speaks your language. And you know what I know? It may take a long time, a short time. But here's what I believe is. And I have to believe this because we serve a God who's always speaking. That God has been speaking to you all year. I believe that. 
I don't care how you got here in this room right here. I don't care your age. I don't care your background. I don't care what brought you here today. Is Believe it or not, God has been orchestrating the events and he's already been speaking to you. And you know what today is one more time? It's he's speaking to you through this service, through a song, through an illustration, and now maybe even through this message. And maybe even now you're sensing the tug of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he wants a relationship with you. And so here's what I want us all across this room today as we get ready to close. Can we just all stand in this room? Why did I end with that illustration? It's because Come Let Us Adore Him was written from the perspective of the three magi. The three kings. As they come and they find him, they follow the star. And then they realize, even though they were from Babylon, a godless, wicked culture. Here they are. And now they realize this isn't no ordinary child. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. It, we came from a dark place. But the star led us to the light. Come on, you believe it? Wave that thing in the air like you believe it. Come on. So we have a tradition here. It's done. We got the lights going on and off, on and off. I love it. Uh, we'll turn them on at the end. Just keep them down. So and listen, it, it, I just want you, if you don't mind, hold that light in your hands. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, even to the youngest, to the oldest. We have a tradition here at Stone Creek. We always end with prayer. We worship through song. We preach the word. And then we respond with prayer. And this is your moment now. I had my moment. I preached. I, I, I declared the word. Now this is your moment. And if you're in here today and you've drifted far from the Lord. And this is your moment where you're coming up from recalibration. And you've just drifted away and you need to make things right. That's you right now. Come on. Just say yes to the light. Invite Jesus in to your heart. And if you're here today and you've never submitted, surrendered your life to Christ, man, we're just going to be patient with you right now. There's no magic words to this. It's the faith that's now in your heart that you believe that Jesus did come for you. You see, the message is that he came. The mission is that he died on a cross for you. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your counselor. He wants to be the mighty God for you. He wants to be the one that fills your heart with peace. And maybe you just need to surrender to him today. And for the first time, calibrate your life to him. Invite him to be Lord for you in your life. Say, Jesus, save me. I say yes to the light. Shine your light in my heart. Or maybe you're here and you're already a Christ follower. And as this uh, first group is praying, you're in the second group. And maybe you just feel like things got a little bit off. Come on. Just say yes to the light. Say, Lord, I, I get right right now. Maybe there's some things, some anger, some bitterness. There's some things that just got in there that are just pulling you. Come on, right here. Don't, don't, don't go into the new year. This is the time where we, we orient around the sun again. The Son of God, the light. Say, Jesus, I say yes to the light. Dwell in my heart. I give my heart to you. 